Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I am Cameron Tepitzvai. I'm your host for today. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg, who plays bass in the band Divine Sweater. They just played the music you heard to open this podcast. And we're also joined by Dr. Justin Quinn down in Mexico. It's the big three. We're, we're back. No guests this week. How's that? Later in the program, we are going to talk about whether or not the Celtics got better after the trade deadline what the state of the East is after the deadline, the trade deadline. We will talk about some news and then we're going to think about who maybe the Celtics will, I almost said hire, I guess hire, will hire for that 15th roster spot or promote. How's that for a tease? Uh, before any of that, Alex, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, had a pretty fun weekend seeing some music. Um, obviously, I took in the big game last night as well. Um, it was Pretty, pretty interesting for sure. Definitely a good watch. Um, didn't have any particular loyalty to either the Chiefs or the 49ers, but impressive game nonetheless. And now it's over and I am ready for basketball to be the go-to dominant sport for the next, well, minute. Yeah, Dr. Quinn. Well, I uh, follow football so closely that I did not think anything at all about the Super Bowl until I noticed that literally everyone in my wife's uh, family's neighborhood was barbecuing. I was like, why is everyone barbecuing? And my wife looks at me like I'm an idiot because I kind of was. Uh, and then I put the dots together and uh, yeah, someone won the Super Bowl. Woo! We actually know who won the Super Bowl We're recording on Monday, but fair enough. Yeah, uh, I take it UConn is a good basketball team and we have to talk about college a little bit for a few weeks and then finally... It's the NBA's time to shine. I just have one other Super Bowl thing to add, which is I saw the early betting markets suggest that uh, the next Super Bowl halftime show honoree is going to be none other than Lil Wayne. And I will be seated if that is going down. That would be an all-timer for me. I mean, it's in New Orleans. They have options, but that would be a good one. Also, shout out to Asher. He killed it. That was great. Okay. So let's do the news. We'll talk about the trade deadline and we will talk about buyout guys. But first, we have two birthdays that we would be remiss to not honor first. It's Bill Russell's birthday. And we could wax poetic for the rest of the hour about Bill Russell. I don't need to do that. I'm sure everyone listening knows uh, how and why to wish Bill Russell a happy birthday. Happy birthday to Scott Pollard, former Celtic who is in the ICU, hopefully on his way to a heart transplant. I think a lot of Celtics fans have followed this news story and are pulling for him. So happy birthday to Scott Pollard and happy heavenly birthday to Bill Russell. How's that? Okay. Since we last talked, the Celtics won three games against Southeast division teams. Divisions are still a thing in the NBA. They looked pretty good. Uh, took care of business against Atlanta. Uh, waffled, then took care of business against Washington. Waffled, then took care of business against Miami. Just recent stretch of games. I think you can kind of take it in two directions. All the metrics say this is one of the best teams in the clutch. And this team looks a lot like the 2008 Celtics. And then there's also metrics that remind you of last season and the season before that, and the season before that. So I really do think you can squint in either direction and decide there's something to be worried about or there's nothing to be worried about. So Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you first. Where are you at with the Celtics team vis-a-vis the last week or so? To commemorate this entire season, I'm going to get a pillow that is embroidered with the words, they would have lost this game last year. 
why your pillow from the year before that wasn't good enough? Might burn that one. Burn that crap. <laughs> All right. So trending up. Alex, where are you at with this team? I'm still in a pretty good place. I mean, listen, Boston is fifth in offensive rating and fifth in defensive rating. They're one of the best teams in the league and have consistently been great all year. You know, I think the reality of this part of the season for the NBA is that um, teams start to get a little bored. I think that is that is a real thing. Um, we're about to hit the all-star break. There's definitely, I think, a lot of players and teams for whom that cannot come soon enough a uh, vacation, even a little vacation for uh, two of our all-star players and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is definitely something that I think many, many, many NBA players look forward to around this time of year. Um, the Celtics to me for these last three games feel like they've kind of been going through the motions regardless of who is out there. It's not like they've been going all out, although with the exception of last night's game in Miami where I think things as they do against Miami got a little chippy and Boston took that one a little personally um I, th I think that was ultimately a good win despite the heat being incredibly shorthanded but all things being equal I, I think the Celtics have played like a very good team that is a little bit bored right now and they have a five game lead in the Eastern Conference standings so that makes sense I think my hope is that they will be healthy uh, first and foremost come April, that they will retain that one seed and that when, you know, the schedule starts to kind of get a little bit closer to playoff time, we'll start to see a more kind of engaged crossing I's and dotting T's group. But for now, it seems like it's kind of ho-hum, Jason Tatum routine dominance, Kristaps Porzingis, you know, crushing basically everybody in front of him. The Celtics win, it's not particularly convincing, but it also never really felt like those games were tremendously in doubt either. Yeah, I guess I have a couple of points that I, I want to raise. First is, to your point, maybe the most positive one is like things weren't in doubt insofar as they're getting into a good habit of kind of like playing with their food and then in the fourth quarter just playing really tight defense. And it's not perfect formula, so it looks a little clunky, but uh, I don't I don't know that I mind it. Second to Joe Mazzulla's point, it's kind of good for them to face some adversity. Like it's nice for them to get punched in the jaw a little bit because they have to react accordingly. And then finally, it's the same problem I have at the beginning of the season. That just now we're in the middle of the season. It's like, I don't know what a statistically significant data set is in the NBA. So like this Cavs team has only lost once since New Year's. Is that like enough data for us to say, oh, the Cavs are that legit? the Warriors are on a tear finally like is that you know what I mean like the Rockets finally fell back to earth is that who they really are so yeah I had a good conversation with a friend of mine who's a Cavs fan they look really good but like you look at the record and it's like they've been like five teams that are over 500 in that stretch you know it's, yeah. it really is difficult to piece that stuff out so to your point Alex like the time of the year I mean even as someone who covers the, the team I understand getting like a little bored with like another weekday matchup against the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, I understand where they're coming from. I, I don't think I'm worried, but you know, the habits that doomed them last year and the year before you can still find them. And maybe that's part and parcel with this team. All right. All-star game is coming up Boston tonight. No, tomorrow night, Tuesday night in Brooklyn, Wednesday night in Boston against Brooklyn. 
And then off to the All-Star game, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will go. Jalen Brown is participating in the dunk contest. I think people know that. First All-Star since, do you guys know which All-Star it was in 2017? Who did it? DeAndre uh, think... Jordan. Wow, really? DeAndre yeah. Jordan. Man, I forgot DeAndre Jordan was an All-Star. I thought it was going to be like Aaron Gordon, but I guess Aaron Gordon did not I don't think he was make, an All-Star. make an All-Star team. God bless Aaron Gordon for what he did for the, the dunk contest. Uh, Jalen Brown will also be the first Celtic to participate since 2007, since Gerald Green won it. Come on, guys, do your homework. Uh, no, I, I think that was, yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, you mm. just jumped on me. It's cool. So, uh, and Tatum's defending his All-Star Game MVP. I don't know anything about any All-Star Game MVP repeat battles. I, I don't really care, but it's interesting. It's a wrinkle. And he's going to start. I don't think we know who the fifth East starter is yet. So there's some intrigue there. Dr. Quinn, Alex, what else did I miss about this All-Star weekend? I think the only thing you missed about this All-Star weekend is, you know, with regard to Celtics fans specifically, that uh, there are two players in the Boston Celtics who have been playing very well lately and will not be at All-Star weekend. We are, of course, referring to Derek White, and I think perhaps more notably, Kristaps Porzingis, who has been on an absolute tear for these past few games. Um, now, I will be perfectly blunt in saying that I am actually okay with Kristaps Porzingis not yeah. making the All-Star team this year. I would like for him to go take a nice long rest on a beach where he doesn't have to move around very much. That feels like a great use of his time. But... Um, it just goes to show that uh, All-Star is definitely not a perfect formula. I think to me, it's a little crazy that Porzingis is not in the All-Star game, at least. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of discussion lately about should the teams be expanded to 15 um, to get more players into the All-Star game? I think there's definitely good arguments both ways. The pro argument being that, like, listen, there are more than 12 all-star level players in each conference every year it seems like increasingly uh and the counter argument being well it's kind of a just for fun for the fans type of deal and it doesn't really matter that much and it would potentially reward uh players who are maybe not all-star level getting into the game but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I guess the only. I, I do want to push back on that just a tiny bit because I think it was JJ Redick made a really good point on his podcast, Old Man in the Three, that if we're talking like the percentage of the league that used to get in versus what gets in now, we are actually probably excluding lots of people who should be getting in by historical standards. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 327 
50-50 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about this last podcast. We understand why Trey Young and Scotty Barnes make it both on the court and off court. But Alex, to your point, like Porzingis and Derek White, even if Derek White maybe it's less sexy, are playing like all-stars. And so like maybe there's a world where you want to like acknowledge that or reward that or find ways for them to get to the game. But they're not going, so <laughs> we can't solve that right now. Dr. Quinn, any other thought on all-star game that we missed or something you're looking forward to? I just want to see a pair of Reebok pumps or a no-look dunk out of Jalen as an homage to somebody else who wore number seven who was in a dunk contest. That's all I have to say about that. Who wore a number seven brown jersey, in fact. Uh, I have one more thing that I'm looking forward to at the All-Star Game, um, which is our very own Cameron Tabatabai going to the All-Star Game in Indianapolis. He'll be reporting and talking with all sorts of fun people, players, execs, and everybody else that he can uh, if you are interested in following Cam's odyssey to the All-Star Game, please throw him a follow on the app formerly known as Twitter. Follow him on Instagram and follow all of us on our socials at Celtics Lab because Cam's going to have some interesting stuff. Uh, actually, don't follow my Instagram. That's for that's private. Um, every so often, Celtics fans try to follow my Instagram. and I, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe maybe we'll start a Celtics lab Instagram, but thanks for the plug, Alex. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to expect. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. I've heard good advice. I've heard weird advice. Uh, I know a few people who are going to be there. I, I think it'll be fun. I've never been to Indianapolis. Um, and Jalen and Jason will be there, so I'll try to bring as much coverage to that as I can. I, I think about, Bull Pet said this on our podcast. I think about it all the time. I say it to people all the time. Take people places they can't go or tell them things they can't know. That's what I'm going to try to do. So. How's that? All righty. Let's hop into the lab, although it's a two-parter. So uh, strap into that safety gear you need for your lab, your lab gear. First, we're going to quickly talk about a post-deadline Eastern Conference. But really, the meat and potatoes of this is looking at what the Celtics might do next. So we'll start Boston traded for Xavier Tillman uh, and Jared Springer, Jalen Springer. Jerry Springer, 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 Springer. Wait, that would be that would be bad. It's Jaden Springer for those who are listening at home. (laughs) I my brain just kept saying Jared Sullinger in my head. I I knew that wasn't right. So uh, Xavier and uh, Jaden, two trades where Boston really didn't give up much in the way of assets, but two trades where the guys are injured and they're on the injury report tonight. So let's talk about them a little bit, but. Soon enough, we'll get to see them play, and then we'll actually have analysis. So, Alex, you can pick one. Which one do you want to give us 30 seconds on? I got to pick my man Xavier Tillman, a player that I have been watching and kind of craving for this Boston team for a while now. Um, Folks, if you're looking for another elite big defender who can play next to Al Horford and Kristaps Porzingis and Jason Tatum, Look no further than Xavier Tillman. This guy is a 99th percentile big man defender. He is crazy, crazy good on that end. And he's only going to get better playing in Joe Missoula's system and playing alongside Al Horford. He can move his feet. He's got real size. He's a very good shot blocker. He's a rock solid rebounder and screener. 
The only drawback with Xavier Tillman, aside from his injury, which we're hoping he recovers from soon, is that this man cannot hit anything outside of directly <laughs> under the rim. So if you're looking for a floor spacing center, um, you should check out the other two centers on the Boston Celtics, Kristaps Porzingis and Al Horford, who are both shooting very well from the three. You should not expect Xavier Tillman to be um, spreading the floor. But I do think his offensive metrics have been a little skewed uh, playing against playing on a pretty limited Grizzlies team offensively for the past couple of years. Even when the Grizzlies were healthy and good, offense was never really their calling card. Um, Xavier Tillman is going to get a lot better looks than I think he would be getting in Memphis. But that's not what he's here for. What he's here for is to make life very, very difficult for opposing Eastern Conference bigs in throughout the playoffs. And this defense is going to be absolutely hellacious when he is on the court. I will add to that that he was able to connect from three at a, I won't say a good level, but a respectable level. You at least have to respect it. Like a Daniel Tice level, like 33, 34% his rookie season. So it's not beyond hope that he could eventually, with good looks, develop an outside shot. Uh, but as far as Jaden Springer goes, uh, he is, you know, very, very raw on offense. And again, a larger defender. He's kind of like the opposite of Peyton Pritchard in that he is a little more size. He's he's a lockdown defender. Everybody, everyone was ranting about his performance on Stephen Curry. I think he limited to like one shot when he was guarding him fairly recently. He can be an absolute terror on that end. He's very, very athletic. The tools are there for him to become a very good offensive player. But for now... Like he'll have one good offensive game and then six very bad ones. So don't expect too much from that. I don't really expect either of them to see too much of the floor uh, in the postseason, if at all. But if they are in a position where they need to call on them, both of them have a defensive floor that is high enough that they can at least stay on the floor in limited minutes in the postseason. Yeah, with respect to Delano Banton and Lamar Stevens, they're both much closer to serviceable postseason guys than Banton or Lamar Stevens. It's also the case that they're bona fide prospects like bona fide guys that can grow and you could expect to get better so boston i think we think got better at this trade deadline but then also uh you know the next few years it's gonna be really hard to feel the 10 person depth chart with the spending limits and now they have guys that they can authentically look to grow or if they need to uh use in a trade package so don't really have Having Tillman's bird rights is going to be, I think, pretty useful, particularly for getting middle tier salaries, which Boston is very much going to be hunting over the course of the next few years as they um, plow into the second apron. They're going to need, you know, kind of the mid tier contracts if they want to be able to make trades and make flexibility and stuff like that. So I think Tillman's a really good pickup for that reason as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a tremendous trade deadline for the Celtics. I thought they did everything they needed to do uh, quite well. All right, let's do this. Let's go through the East and let's do this quickly. Um, let's decide if teams in the East got better or worse or stayed the same. And rather than Dr. Quinn respectfully, because I know we had a little disagreement uh, on the categories we have here, let's just run through the standings. So the Cavs didn't do anything. Um, so we can't say if they got better or for worse. So let me ask you this, Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you first. Are the Cavs a legit uh, threat to Boston sitting there at the two seed? No, but they can probably get out of the first round, which is more than I thought they were going to a few weeks ago. They're looking a lot better. 
Cool. Alex, any major disagreement there? Or we'll keep it moving. Not really. I think they're a very solid team. I would like to see them play against the actually elite teams in the NBA and see how they fare there. Wow. For the YouTube crowd, look how orange my face is when I look at it. <laughs> this is a black NBA standings and that's white with the, that's, that's how I normally look. And then here's my impression of Donald Trump. Okay. The Bucks are in third I place. Knew you were going to do that. Uh, I mean, look. No one else steps out into public looking like this. Mm. Um, the Bucks are in third place and they traded for Patrick Beverly, which is funny uh, if you know the personnel on that team. But Alex, did the Bucks get substantially better? So I like Patrick Beverly and think he's a good player. I think he's better than campaign. And I think on that respect, the Bucks pretty clearly upgraded on talent. I don't know that Patrick Beverly is going to be enough to solve the Bucks' much bigger defensive issues, um, which mostly have to do with Damian Lillard um, being an absolute sieve on that end and Brooke Lopez losing a step and Chris Middleton getting hurt and Malik Beasley also being very bad on defense. Pat Bev cannot make all four of those guys good on defense. He can provide some relief in lineups. Uh, and particularly, I think one thing that... Um, He'll bring to the table is that Pat Bev has developed into a pretty good playmaker and shooter as well. Um, he brings more than just his defense, which is kind of his calling card. So it's definitely an upgrade, but for me, it's it's going to be hard for them to address some of their more systemic issues with just that move. Fair enough. Dr. Quinn, the New York Knickerbockers are the four seed in the East right now and have been moving and shaking. They made a lot of moves at the trade deadline. Uh, out went Critton Grimes, Evan Fournier, uh, Malachi Flynn, and Ryan, former Celtic, Ryan Archie Diakino. They got um, Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. They also previously made the OG and Anobi trade. So uh, I guess writ large, Dr. Quinn, where are you at with the Knicks? They're better. Uh, I don't know how much better they are, but they are definitely better. I don't know if they're good enough to threaten the Celtics. Uh, they would have to be an absolute, you know, it had to be like one of those Miami Heat uh, outlier shooting series, not games, for them to really be a threat to the Celtics. But I do think that they they are probably, depending on how the Sixers look and whether or not Embiid comes back, uh, the next best threat in the East, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I can't see a team led by Jalen Brunson, who's just too small, and uh, <laughs> Julius Randle making a real run. But I could see a world where the Knicks win the first two games of a series and we have, like, real, real, real intrigue. So I would really look forward to that matchup in the postseason because I think it would be a lot of fun. I don't think if I was the Celtics, I would be fearful, but I, I think there's a chance it could be, like, a, a really – intriguing series oh, alex i thought i thought your oh. <laughs> position in new york it's something all right i, I mean this. of course i do yeah I, I think the knicks are a great deal better i i think that um the bogdanovich move in particular is good as a stopgap while ananobi gets healthy and then he will be a useful bench piece after that um to me the knicks i i feel i know Giannis is definitely the best player in the conference that does not play for the Boston Celtics and is going to be healthy this postseason. But to me, I feel like the Knicks are now, at least in, for my money, I, I think they're a likely Eastern Conference Finals opponent um, with the way things are trending. Brunson's been outstanding. 
Tibbs is guys Tibbs is doing some amazing stuff with this New York Knicks team and it might result in them being a pile of ashes by the time the playoffs roll around but holy crap that guy is an excellent coach I really like the Knicks moves at the deadline and I think um it, they are much better positioned to make a deep run and yeah I, I really like this Knicks team I I think it has a cap but it's so fun and it's fun when the Knicks are good it's just good for basketball okay I'll do the Sixers um they got buddy healed uh Forkhan Korkmaz finally off he went away from Philadelphia they got campaign uh for Pat Beverly Joel Embiid had a, as a repaired meniscus and we're hoping for his health but that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be back or back the way he was uh Maybe at the trade deadline, you could say they got better because Heald is a nice offensive fit. It's a downgrade, I think, on defense. But in the past two weeks, they got worse. Uh, I mean, like the Embiid thing sucks. And the Sixers were probably playing with house money just because Embiid was playing like Will Chamberlain. And if he came back down to earth a little bit, they weren't a very good team. But now, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they could go the distance. Although, shout out to Maxi. That kid can play. He's so fast. He's so fun. Um, this move is uh, this move. I think is going to be most interesting actually in the off season because they acquired Buddy Heald mostly. I think to have Buddy Heald's bird rights um, for when he hits free agency. But I will be very interested to see what kind of contract uh, Buddy Heald is eligible for because this free agency class does not look all that strong. And I think there is a world where Buddy Heald could be um, lined up well for a, a pretty large contract, a contract that I think a lot of people might be surprised by. And I'll be interested to see if the Sixers um, balk at that figure or not. I think I disagree with you, but I, it's February. Let's not do that right now. <laughs> um, in terms of the free agency landscape, not the Buddy Heald read. Okay. Uh Everyone gets one more team they can talk about, and then we're moving on from the trade deadline. So East or West, and the the Pacers are up for grabs. You can talk about the Pacers if you want, but one more team, East or West, who you want to talk about? Alex, you get to go first. I have to pick East or West. I think the the pick then has to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, who snatched up Gordon Hayward for uh, Trey Mann, Davis Bertans. Michich and uh, some second round picks. They did not send a first. So this is really interesting. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that OKC was going to target size. And they did add size uh, in the form of Bismack Biombo as a buyout signing. But um, I thought they were going to be a little more aggressive in targeting like a potentially starter level or like, you know, high level bench big. And instead they kind of zag and they go with Gordon Hayward um, as a connector piece a guy who can facilitate offense, who can shoot, who can play on the floor, potentially over um, a more inexperienced Josh Giddy in late game situations. I think this has got the potential to be a really good move for the Thunder, um, particularly if Hayward, I, he is injured now and it sounds like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And that's always the caveat with Gordon Hayward is, will he be on the floor? But if he is on the floor, he makes a tremendous amount of sense in this OKC starting lineup. And he could come off the bench for them as well and be a valuable chip. Um, I'll be really interested to see in particular how that plays out in the postseason. Because to me, like Shagel just Alexander is a remarkable basketball player, but he is also 
now the de facto vet leader of this team in a lot of ways. And Shea Gilgis Alexander is 26, I believe. Um, so that's that's an it that's a big ask for Shea. Um, and then uh to bring in Gordon Hayward, who I guess should be that vet leader in theory. You know, Gordon Hayward's a really good player. I've never really thought of Gordon Hayward as like a big vocal commanding leadership presence when he was on Boston or really anywhere else. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But I do think if he's on the floor and healthy, um, it makes OKC better and it makes them a tougher out in the postseason. Dr. Quinn, you're up. So you mentioned the Pacers, and I feel like we do need to talk about them. We were talking off air about whether they got better or worse, depending on what you consider to be a deadline trade. If you don't consider Siakam to be a deadline trade, they clearly got worse. They traded uh, Buddy Heald for Burkhan Korkmaz and some second round picks, uh, which aren't going to help them this season. So they very clearly in that context got worse, right? Uh, but there is a case to be made that by opening up more playing time for Benedict Matherin, that by the end of the season, they might be better poised, uh, not only for a postseason run, but for the future. So I think that is a realistic possibility, if not a likely possibility. And it's something they should have done about a month or more earlier if they're really in on that idea, honestly, because I don't really think that this deal wouldn't have been able to get done a little bit earlier than it did and giving Mathurin more run with a bigger role would have better prepared him for this postseason, which I do think they want to try to get some postseason reps in for this this younger core. Agreed. Uh, I feel like everyone wants to talk about why didn't the Bulls do anything? Why didn't the Lakers do anything? Why didn't the Magic do anything? Good like they're not going to they're not going to win the title, but like come on, get in the game. Uh, unbelievable. Okay. Yeah, I kind of wonder. I think I think they're keeping their chips for the off season a little bit. But like for what? They, like they're, 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 they've they got a lot of cap space to throw around, man. I, I think they could. They yeah, could you, cap space time. isn't just free agency signing. No one wants to sign in Orlando. Cap space is for trading. But there are guys who are going to be available in a year or so that yeah. I think are are a serious target for them. And I'll leave it at that. I just I don't know why they wouldn't play ball a little bit here. All right. Anyways, that was the trade deadline. Let's look ahead. So. Boston still has a 15th roster spot open. They can convert uh, Nimi Keita, the pride of <laughs> Portugal. They can convert his contract to a full-time contract. That would be the 15th on the roster. I would like to just bring up, uh, why do we just assume there would be Keita that they would do that for? Because they have two other guys, one of which I don't think is very likely at all to be made into a regular Indeed. roster member. But, but Peterson, in theory, offers something that is at least useful and positionally mobile enough next to Sam Hauser off the bench that there is at least a very small case to make if you are going to elevate someone and you cannot find someone else that you would prefer to fill that with. Well, Just a thought. A take. So this is Drew Peterson. He's been almost exclusively with Maine since joining us. He's been like Frank two minutes with, 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 the, with the regular Celtics. I don't think it's likely... But do they also need another big man after Tillman? Yeah, fascinating. Oh, nice take, Dr. Quinn. Hmm. How much Drew Peterson pay you to say that? <laughs> okay, so Boston has options where they can take and promote guys from within. Uh, guys on two-way contracts make them a full-time contract. However, let's say they don't for the sake of the rest of this podcast. 
they can sign either a free agent, a player that has not signed this season, or a guy who either has or is going to take a buyout. And the caveat there is that because of CBA math that Yasi Goslin can explain uh, some other time, Boston can't sign anyone who made more than $12.4 million in annual salary this season. So for example, uh, Gordon Hayward sign up or buyout was never an option. Kyle Lowry was never an option. They needed to make $12.4 million or less in annual salary. So um, we think that it's really likely that Boston could get in the game here. However, I'll, I'll point out um, it's something like there are 30 open roster spots around the league or, or the number that has been thrown around is like 2x the number of usual roster spots that are open. So there's going to be competition for people's services and some teams can probably offer would-be free agents or current free agents more money and or more of a, a role. So just because your favorite player is available doesn't mean that another team can't woo them elsewhere. So uh, worth pointing out, I suppose. All right, uh, we'll do this by position and we can decide as we go if what position is the right one to target, but we're going to start with bigs. And Dr. Quinn, take it away because I... This is another hot take out of you. You're gonna you're saying this person's the best available? Maybe the best available. And it's mostly just because the other options are very, shall we say, closer to my age than this option's age. Uh, which is, you know, totally fine for life, but maybe not for basketball, right? Uh, we're looking at a field where there are the other three, I won't mention them yet, so we can go through them. Uh they would be more named than game. They would be there, like the, the veteran presence on the bench, which we already have a veteran presence on the bench. And we already have a, you know, plenty of big men. Uh, we can talk about another person I would like to sign outright if we could convince them to later. But Chimezi Metu, he might be the, the best big available. He's not a great shooter. Uh, he's kind of a tweener in between being a four and a five. He's only six foot nine. Uh, which kind of tells you about the state of the, the big man buyout market. It's not great. But if you want someone who's actually athletic and could maybe have a future past this season with your team, he's probably the best available. Great. All right, let's keep it moving. Alex, make the case for the Celtics not signing Danilo Gallinari. Okay. Um, the case for the Celtics not signing Danilo Gallinari, who I actually like and think would be a pretty good fit, is A, that Danilo Gallinari maybe doesn't really want to sign with the Boston Celtics because there might still be a little bit of bad blood there. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but he seemed to feel that at one point or another. Um, the other case for not signing Danilo Gallinari is that there's just a little bit of a positional logjam at the four. Uh, I don't think he would get a lot of playing time. I think Gallo wants to play. I think he still believes that he can be a high-level contributor. Um, and uh, as fun as Gallo is, um, that man cannot guard a cone. Um, that's he's He is a truly bad defender at this point in his career. And I think, yeah, maybe he could eat a couple of minutes in the regular season, but if Gallo's out there in the playoffs, that's an automatic, hey, come here, man. Like for the other team, it's just a walking invitation to go at him in the pick and roll. So that's the case against Gallo. I think both of these guys are, Dr. Quinn, to borrow your phrase, more name than game. So I'll do them together. Someone step in if they disagree firmly. The first would be Robin Lopez, all around good locker room guy, but to, I mean, he could soak fouls and rebounds, but that's really it. And then Thad Young, 
I just, same thing, like he'd probably rebound, maybe could stretch the floor a little bit, but neither is like radically going to change Boston's outlook if they sign him. Maybe they have friendships with players on the team and like that's why they're going for it. But uh, although to that end, Harry Giles didn't make a cut. Um, so I think that's it for the big men. I mean, Xavier Tillman signing, James Springer even uh, sort of gives the team plausible size and depth such that they might not need to target a big man with that 15th roster spot. So let's look at the wing. Um, Dr. Quinn, I think I'm going to have to skip Seth Curry for you. I was really high on that, but I think he's going to stick around in Charlotte. His dad played there. He's wearing his dad's number. Um, They definitely need a veteran. I only included him because other people seem to think that he could be. Yeah. I don't agree that he's going to get bought out, but some people seem to think he might be. I would love him if he would. I'm sure that every other team in the league would as well. Yeah, no, when, when I wrote about this uh, before the weekend, I thought that was going to be a stretch, but I couldn't imagine that he'd want to stay in Charlotte. But it might just be like a nice place to ride out the spring and take a long summer. So Seth Curry, hey, if you're available, come on down. But otherwise, Dr. Quinn, I'll go to Jetty Osman. He's not bought out. He plays for the Spurs. What do you think? I mean, I think that he is probably – of the, the guys who are not bought out yet, who reasonably could be maybe the most interesting candidate. They need a bigger wing. They need somebody who can, who can play up and down guard up and down the roster and can shoot. And he could do all of those things, if not especially well. Uh, that said, he's probably looking for more playing time than you'd get in Boston. He's still young enough where he can get another good contract. So I wouldn't expect him to choose Boston. Yeah. That, that he's a good use case for if he becomes available. That doesn't mean he signs with Boston. Um, Alex, pick a wing from our list. I don't really know which one to give you. I, I, I'm actually so surprised who you're going to pick. So um, the the there's been a lot of murmurs about Daniel House being a guy who um, teams have have been pretty locked in on, like as one of the better buyout candidates. But I'm going to zag and not talk about Daniel House. I'm instead going to talk about another buyout guy who I think could be a sneaky good pickup for this Boston team, and that is Furkan Korkmaz, baby. Let's go. I want to get Furkan Korkmaz on this team. I want to get Furkan Korkmaz on this team for two reasons. The first is because um, that guy can still rip from three. He is shooting 395 from this year, which is low for him, but at one point he was shooting last year um, 43% from deep. That is just, I always like guys who can shoot. I know Joe Zula likes guys who can shoot. Furkan Korkmaz can shoot the dang ball. The other reason that I want to get Furkan Korkmaz out here is because that guy's got some bad blood with the Philadelphia <laughs> 76ers. And I, you know, the Sixers, I think, are kind of a mess right now. And uh, the Embiid injury, to me, at least somewhat disqualifies them from being a true contender. But boy, would I like to have a kind of mean, upset, angry, scorned Eastern Conference bench player to come in and, you know, just chop up a few minutes here and there for this Boston team. And I think I like that Korkmaz has a kind of irrational confidence to his game. I mean, this is a guy who requested a trade when he was getting DNPs. He clearly (laughs) believes in himself as like, I can contribute to a winning team. I am a very good basketball player. And I think, you know, regardless of the fact that defense is definitely not his strong suit and 
his game is i think very limited to like i he is he is a shooter and not much else but i i like the i like the irrational confidence and the kind of nasty that comes with for con cork Maz, and i think he would be a really fun pickup for this team that's probably my guess i mean if only because he knows how the sixers play and it's always fun to get a mole in the system um yeah we i'm at the end of this i'm going to ask each of us what position do you think the celtics should target here and i think i think the wing is going to be my answer and partially you guys have talked me into it but i don't know yet so i'll just shout out um fournier is possibly going to become available it'd be a funny career arc i mean the way he showed out against the nets speaking of dudes with a little that's bit the reason why he's on this list if he had not had that single play against kevin durant where he was the only goddamn person on the court giving them some resistance you would not be on this list yeah and he like he knows the some of the guys like it, the familiarity factors like not it it would at first second and maybe third blush be somewhere between funny and stupid i don't think it's it's crazy um certainly he is a pros pro and like understands his role and so if he didn't play at all i don't think that that would irk him the way that maybe some other guys that'd be a problem actually i talked myself into that okay i'm for any i'll have to google that later okay uh let's talk about ball handlers alex i think your team victor oladipo so either way talk about victor oladipo I mean, I've always liked Victor Oladipo's game. The problem is that his knees keep popping out of place. Um, and mm-hmm. I think at this point in his career, he's definitely he's definitely had a pretty rough run for these past few years. I don't imagine that he would play a tremendous amount, but of all the options that are available, Oladipo is probably the most proven defender of the remaining ball handlers. And if you're looking for a different look, uh, from Peyton Pritchard as your kind of secondary ball handler. You want to get somebody closer to the Drew Holiday, Derek White mold. And if you don't fully trust Springer because of how raw he is, um, then Oladipo as just like a steadying hand guard off the bench who can also actually defend could be useful. Um, I do think, you know, his best days are certainly behind him. He definitely does not have the explosive athleticism that he used to have, but he knows where to be on defense. He can hit a three every now and then. I I don't, I wouldn't hate it. Let's put it that way. All right. Dr. Quinn, you have made a request, so take it away. So let's just say the Celtics go in the complete opposite direction because, and there's good reason to think this is the case, they don't think they actually need to add anything to this team, which, I mean, when you're the number one team in the NBA, that's a pretty good case, right? Uh So let's say that they do want to look to the future and they want to think about cost-controlled options uh, in future seasons that maybe have a real amount of upside to them. And if in that case, and this player can actually play a little bit uh, in terms of defense and passing, but pretty much nothing else, uh, former number seven pick Killian Hayes was surprisingly bought out. Uh, He didn't fit on Detroit, but the fact that no other team seemed interested in trading for him might tell you something about him. It might tell you a little bit about the new CBA reality, but I see a number seven pick who is at least a baseline NBA player, replacement level NBA player who has some upside, uh, who could be a really good way to get some value for nothing, basically moving forward in future seasons with 
probably someone about as useful as Springer on defense. And if they, for whatever reason, think that like they're going to trade Pritchard in the summer and they need an immediate backup, that wouldn't be a crazy, because to your point, I don't think there's enough minutes for him to prove himself, but it's nice to get young players. I mean, the, everyone talks about the Warriors running two timelines and how messy that is, but it's not a bad, you know, backup. So I, yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, in terms of ball handlers, we have Corey Joseph on our, on our list as a guy who has been bought out. Same, same, but different. He's veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's been around the league. He's had different roles. So there's no, I don't think that'll be like risky, but it certainly, there aren't as many creative upsides. I think it's, that would be a pretty straightforward signing. Okay. What about the free agents? I actually have a few. Um, well, I have one that's not a free agent um, that I, we talked about. Alex, you talked about this. He can handle the ball. He's kind of on the wing. Upgrading Tony Snell's main contract to full-time contract. Not like the healthcare thing. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent for labor getting compensated for the sake of doing labor, but just from a basketball fit, veteran guy knows how to be a veteran. He's dusting up his uh, leadership chops up in Maine. I think that'd be worth a look. Um, he's perfectly solid. He's, he's as good as many of the options we've floated. Cool. Okay. I just want to shout that out. I have a different free agent that I do want to shout out, but um I'll see if you guys have any. Dr. Quinn, you can take the sexy mustachioed one if you want. Sure. I alluded to him earlier. Uh, there's a really good chance that he meant it when he said he wasn't coming back. But there's also a case to be made that, you know, spending most of the season with your kids, uh, relaxing, staying fit, and getting ready for a playoff push at the end of a regular season might be attractive to a one Blake Griffin. Or Kemba Walker. Or Kemba Walker. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it be vibes. And... It'd only be vibes, but I'd, I'd still be here for it. Yeah, Blake could. I mean, based on last postseason, it would be bad if he played more than a few minutes a game. But he could still play and not be a total sieve. I don't know about Kemba, um, but it'd be great for the. I mean, I wrote about this too. I think it'd be great for the locker room. Uh, Alex, any you don't have to any free agents off the cuff that you. There's um. There's two that I was thinking about that are not on our write-up, and I should have put them there. But um, so this guy washed out of Charlotte, and I think um, a lot of people were a little puzzled as to why he never really got anywhere, why his career didn't get off the ground. But James Booknight is 23 years old. He's 6'4", and I don't know. I liked his upside in college. Just figured I'd throw that out there. Um, but I, I don't like him falling asleep with loaded weapons and parking garages and other fun things like that on this team. He's definitely made some questionable off-the-court decisions. Um, but purely as a basketball player, you know, there was yeah. some real upside for him in there college. Um, and the other guy that I was thinking at least marginally about is um, a guy who was moonlighting very briefly on this Celtics team, actually, Wenyan Gabriel who still doesn't have a job. And listen, Wendy Gabriel's like nothing special. He's not like a crazy great basketball player, but he's long and he's pretty athletic. And Joe Missoula has typically done a good job incorporating long athletic guys to do long athletic guy things on this team. So Wendy Gabriel doesn't have a job. Um, and the fact that no team has signed him despite him like not having a job since training camp definitely to me indicates that it's possible that he might just not be an NBA player anymore. 
But if you're looking for just like a deep seated flyer uh, in terms of just like raw athleticism and size, he's available. And I, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate it. I don't think he'd play a lot anyway, but wouldn't be the worst signing in the world. I guess my expectation is that where it's good, if they sign someone, it's going to be someone no one has thought of because that's how the Celtics seem to operate. Um, and part of what I'm going to say is informed by like, if you, I just like this player. I think he's charismatic. He's very experienced. I think Yamadar is not coming over. No, uh, but, but it's, I'm not going to say Carmelo Anthony. Um, ah. I and Justin actually fill me in. What about Juan Toscano and Anderson? He's got championship chops. He's got size. He's played both ways, not, neither direction particularly interestingly, but he's still young. He's still got upside. I, I wonder. Um, Dr. Quinn, he plays for the Capitanes, no? He did. I think he got called up. Let me just he check. He is now a member of the Sacramento Kings, I believe. Yep, I thought that was right. Oh, yep. I, I knew I saw a release somewhere, yeah. Oh, good for him. All right, Juan. All right, well, I guess I'll start covering the Kings now because I like Juan. Um, great. Okay. I was can't trust everything you read on the internet. Okay, well, regardless. I think we've decided that we don't know much of anything yet. Um, Dr. Quinn, do you remember the deadline off the top of your head? There is a date where guys need to be bought out by in order to sign, in order to be playoff eligible. Do you off off the cuff remember what that date is? Brain wants to say March 1st, but that's probably wrong. Historically, it's been around that time. So sooner rather than later, a lot of these names will or will not come into play here. Um, Based on this conversation that we had, let's go around the horn and we'll give our position on the type of player Boston ought to target. And if you have decided, and in fact, it should be this person, you can give us that. So let me model how this is done. Uh, In thinking through this, I think I've decided that the Celtics need a wing player. I am fearful of what injuries, how quickly injuries could change this script. But I do think that the front court depth is pretty uh, steady. And you know, Tatum can always slide to the four if you re- or five in some cases if you really need to. Same, same. The number of ball handlers seems pretty established for a while. I was like, man, I really wish they had a traditional point guard. They seem to be figuring it out. It seems like lots of guys get touches and direct traffic. So I think just a wing who can defend. A 3D wing is like the ultimate currency in the NBA. We've said that before. So I think I think I want them to sign a wing, um, which I don't think I would have said at the beginning of the season. I think it's Korkmaz for me. Just a guy with a little crazy. That's fun. I was thinking to myself while you were saying all of this, like what if they could get someone who can ball handle the ball a little bit and is also pretty big, and that's Furkan Korkmaz, isn't it? Alex, Furkan Korkmaz, anyone? I mean, I made the case earlier, I would feel great about a Furkan Korkmaz signing. There's only one other player that I really would even think about uh, as far as the Celtics um, trying to add some wing depth for this team. And I do agree, ultimately, like wing, particularly wings that can defend and maybe shoot a little bit would be the priority for me. And the only other guy, uh, aside from Frickon Korkmaz, that I would be interested in taking a flyer on is uh, currently playing in Maine, and his name is Jordan Walsh. Why not? The Boston Celtics mm. have Jordan Walsh just sitting there in Maine. He is available. He but is doesn't playing. he have a regular contract? Isn't he, he does, but they can play him. <laughs> so they can that they can play him. And I think, you know, 
if we're looking for trying to just like fill roster spots, you know, he, he goes back and forth between Maine and between the main roster, the Celtics main roster, giving him a full season call up, even if he's not really ready to play like that dude's been playing quite well in Maine. I think he's still two, maybe three years away from being a viable NBA player, but getting him some NBA floor time now wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for his long-term development. And he seems by all accounts to be a pretty like fun and interesting guy to have on your team uh, from a vibe standpoint. So to that end, there's two directions you can go with the vibes, right? There's like fun, cool, energetic rookie guy in Jordan Walsh who's like trying really hard. And there's like psycho pirate. I need to show the league that I am a great NBA player for Con Korkmaz. And I think either one of those would be a terrific signing for what is assuredly going to be a, a guy that does not play a lot of minutes. If they think this is it, then this is the year. Sign Harry Giles. I don't know. Uh, I, I, like, it's not, it's not, it like, I don't think it's bending the knee to your superstar. It's just like making your superstar a happier person. Um, and Terry Giles seems like he's like on the cusp of being an NBA player. I mean, it's, I'd rather have Harry Giles on my team than Thanasis Antetokounmpo. And I mean, for having done an entire podcast on a player who's probably not going to log more than 200 minutes for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. Why not? Are the other Antetokounmpo still free agents? Alex, it? I think is out of the league currently. Just, just for intrigue, <laughs> no, 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 I hope some, yeah, just for intrigue, I hope someone signs the other on Tentacupo just to mess with the Bucks psyche. Um, actually, the more I think about that, I really hope that that happens. Spencer Dinwiddie to the Lakers is pretty bizarre to me. I wish they had gotten the Antentacupo kid. Okay, anyways, uh, this episode of the Celtics podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. This time next week, we will have had a dunk contest. Well, let's close with this. What is your expectation for Jalen of the dunk contest? He's he's got the third best odds right now. Um, Alex, in a word, what are you expecting? Can I do a hyphenated double word or just one? Yeah, you can do a hyphenated double word. I think that's the preferred term. Attention grabbing. Ooh. Dr. Quinn. Pumps. I'm going to hyphenate a word. Injury risk. Why are they playing this stupid thing on an iPad? It's... <laughs> And in a football stadium, it's just going to look and sound awful. I, I respect Jalen for doing it, but... Ugh. Anyways, I'll be there. Um, lucky. Lucky me. Um, yeah, next week we'll talk about what it was like to be at the All-Star game, and maybe we'll have more clarity on the buyout, guys. And we'll begin to preview the home stretch, because don't look now, but here comes the postseason. Like and subscribe if you haven't. Thank you for listening. Check out Divine Sweater, the band you've heard at the top of this podcast. And we will catch you later. Adios.